When I first envisioned this episode, I really wanted to get as many women as possible sharing their travel stories. We did a call for submissions and we got a lot of really good stuff, um, which I will play for you in a minute. After that, my dear friend Sarah will be stopping by to talk about her experience traveling Europe as a Tamil woman. And we're going to vent, emote, commiserate, but we'll also talk a bit about the fun side of traveling, just just a bit. <laughs> At the end of the show, fellow sophomore teammate Janine, who I love, is going to join me in the studio to gush over Netflix's new, completely ridiculous, but addictive show, Riverdale. Hi, my name is Idol. I'm a 21-year-old from Toronto. Um, and last year in April, I traveled to Milan, Italy with a couple of friends. And um, one of the struggles we faced while traveling from Milan to Venice by train um, was that the security on the train was actually very sketchy around us. And already being in a country that's pretty known to be racist was a little off-putting. Um, and then he just, so basically he checked our tickets at the beginning, um, and then halfway through the ride he came back again to check only our tickets and no one else's. So the entire ride was kind of weird, and obviously being a group of young, of like four young women who are visibly black and are Muslim traveling alone, it just felt like we were being targeted and um, and we were being stared at people like around us the entire ride so it was just it was a weird experience but I feel like doesn't really matter where you go but just traveling anywhere especially when people are like are not are not used to seeing like your type of people or like that like just things happen <laughs> so yeah Hi, so I haven't traveled too much. I've only been on planes a couple of times. And if we're talking about negative experiences uh, specifically, I haven't really had anything that was, you know, like very frightening or dangerous. Um, I just found that like I would get very like oddly pointed and hostile stares. Like people just having come from France, um, people would hold very like hostile eye contact um, for like an uncomfortable amount of time, and, like crane their necks to look at me. It was just didn't seem friendly in any way. Anyway, it was very weird. And these were in, again, in, like, very, like, white, um, small towns. But one experience, is that, one experience that does stand out to me in particular was um, I was coming back from France two summers ago, and I had done, like, a summer program there for a month. And I was coming back to Canada. And, again, since I hadn't traveled very much, um, I did my declaration card wrong. So when I landed, um, I got held up a little bit, and the agent fixed my form for me. So I was clear to go through. And um, so I was, I got my bag, and I was, you know, about to exit and like go see my family and cross over and um this agent pulls me aside and with other people in this room she basically like went through all of she opened my suitcase and like went through all of my things like um rifled through all my clothing opened like all the pockets like all my makeup bag like ziplocs of toiletries like all of my things and was asking me all these questions about like um what I had been doing in France like the school I was at where I had stayed and um the, how much money I had spent, like, credit cards, like, if I had receipts for everything, and then, um, I had a Canadian, like, I live here, so I always had a Canadian passport, and then she asked me, like, like, what are you doing back in Canada, what do you do here, so I'm like, oh, I live here, she's like, no, no, what do you do here, so I'm like, like, I'm a student, I don't know, um, and she, you know, again, like, she saw that I had a Canadian passport, I had been cleared by the agent, my form had been fixed, like, I was speaking to her in English and in French, it just seemed like a very, like, unnecessary and, and very, like, invasive process for no reason. And then finally, I think, like, after 20 minutes, I was clear to go through and she let me go. Um, and then obviously after, like, I was very freaked out in the moment. And then obviously after I'm thinking, like, I really doubt this would have happened to, you know, some white girl the same age as me. But who knows? But um, that was one experience that really stood out to me when I think about traveling and traveling alone in particular. As someone who is a pale-skinned, cisgendered woman from East Asia, 
I recognize that I carry inherent privileges over women who are not. So this is purely just from my subjective experience. In my years of traveling and living from here to there, I've come to realize that culture shock for me was less about how quickly I adapted to a new way of life or the language or the smell of a city or the taste of food. I started to notice that I attributed culture shock to how welcome I felt or how comfortable I was in a new environment. The more comfortable I felt, the more quickly I adapted and embraced what was around me. Having said that, I also quickly discovered that my comfort levels were closely intertwined with the level of discrimination I would face as a traveling woman of color. I always found it interesting where I would actually find myself experiencing culture shock. When I traveled outside of the so-called Western Hemisphere, I have come face-to-face with instances of ignorance, perhaps mockery, or some off-color comment with unclear intentions. However, I never felt the same level of humiliation and, to be quite honest, fear that would follow a racially motivated tirade against me in cities which I traveled to, which were sometimes just one border crossing away, one province over, or a few hours' drive from Toronto. I understand that culture shock encompasses much more than what I'm describing, but for me, that's what it always boiled down to. Did I feel safe? Did I feel free? Did I feel welcome? I always wondered why culture shock was more of an issue for me close to home than it was far and abroad. Was it bad luck? Was it bad timing? Is it something to do with our culture? Joining me in the studio today is my amazing friend, Sarah, who lives here in Toronto, who is a writer and a self-identified cured meat connoisseur, whatever the hell that means. (laughs) Hi, Sarah. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Sarah's here to talk to me about our individual and shared experiences of traveling as women of color. Um, I want to start by asking you, Sarah, so you know... There's like lots of blogs that aim to sort of empower women of color. There's lots of great stuff out there. And I think for me, I've noticed that there are a lot of like black blogs or blogs for black women like Travel Noir. um, And there are others, um, Spirited Pursuit and so on, that talk about traveling as a black woman. But but I think when when it came to the realities of traveling, I felt that most literature available on the internet and advice catered to the young white man usually but also woman who's going to take like a gap year and travel europe with a backpack and i don't know meet their future i don't know what and just have like the time of their lives and make like their lifelong friends and I wonder if you had the same sort of experience or worldview of like traveling. Well, I think, yeah. So for our generation, like growing up with all these thought catalogs, like we're like linking to all these thought catalogs and all of these like blogs, um, really amp- like, like, like the hysteria around travel is so high for our generation where it's yeah. like reasons why you should travel before you're 30. Yeah, it's like yeah, this yeah. like huge thing of like travel will complete you <laughs> yeah. as a person. And so like, I, like when when I when I would read those, it's like yeah, I can do that. I can like yeah. travel, and like that completion is available to me too. Um, and then I I think there's so many um, aspects that aren't included in 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 how travel is depicted, um, especially for women of color, especially um, for people of a certain economic demographic, yeah. where it's like travel is expensive. If you're a woman of color of, or a man of color, a visible minority. Um, these like liberating experiences, it's not the same right. thing. It's, this isn't, I don't know, it's right. preaching the gospel of travel as salvation. Definitely. Like finding yourself. Yeah, and I think I was even really aware of that from like high school because I don't know about you, but my high school, I think my grade, grade 11 and 12, they all like 
had the option of going on a trip to Greece, I think it was. Yeah. Um, and obviously the most affluent. Well, yeah. And Travel's expensive. I'm- yeah, like my, my mom, like she just could not afford it. Like it was mm-hmm. not an option for me to like get $2,000 and <laughs> fuck off to Athens for... Just to explore who you for are. For five days. But, <laughs> yeah. but I think, and so I think kind of, you know, I wonder what that did to me subconsciously where I sort of felt like this was not a thing for me. Other people get to do this. Other people get to go on the ski trips. Other people, you know, get to have that luxury and it's not for me. But it still was very, very clear that that it was something that was enriching because the school was making an effort to provide this for you. So clearly it was like... Yeah, it got the cosign from... And it's part of your education. Like, it must be educational. And so I felt like... And I think so that kind of it kind of created this like fracture in my mind, even Mm -hmm. from a young age. So yeah, back to the blogs, right? So I think that there's, so when I was preparing to travel, when I was um, in my twenties, like this is when you were doing your classics degree, right? Yeah. So when I was in, yeah. So I think when I was towards the end of my undergrad, so I I had several travel excursions. Yeah. um, And when I was at the end of my fourth year, I went to Paris for a month. And so I sort of prepped for that. Um, what was the time that you asked me about? Wasn't that when you were going to Italy? Was that? Yeah. Okay. And I, that's when I came back from Italy. Yeah, okay, so okay. we'll get to that after. Okay. But so when I was preparing for Paris, I was like reading everything, right? As mm-hmm. much as I could. Mm-hmm. It was my first time going to Europe. I was going to Europe alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like there were so many articles about the dangers of travel Like, literally things like, don't leave your bags alone. Tell everybody you're from Canada. (laughs) Um, Canada is, like, the big shield of, like, people will not steal from you if you're Right, and all these, and, like, things like, get, like, a body belt or the body wallet. And, like, nerdiest things in the world. All of these, like, really, like, yeah, strange things. And then when I, and, you know, going to Italy, or going to Italy and to Paris, I realized that, like, none of that information was actually helpful, like not a drop of it. And I wonder if you felt in your research, like as a writer and just like your experience, do you feel like there are people or that there were people on the internet having like real conversations about the actual dangers, not about like some guy pickpocketing you on a train, which is not fucking happening. (laughs) Like maybe in like, I don't know the 1920s <laughs> or maybe there are people that are but I mean I don't know I never really felt maybe that kind of danger maybe not with the same frequency yeah I mean I just don't think that the experience that I had traveling was reflected really mm-hmm. um I I think like the most recent thing I read was it was on BuzzFeed I can't remember the writer but she wrote about hiking the Appalachian Trail right um which is like and she was an African she is an African-American woman and um she was saying that that is something that African-American people just don't do is participate in these like nature hikes especially along lonely isolated places like Appalachian Trail just because of such a history of your body is not safe in these spaces like this is a high risk um endeavor for you right so like I, I feel like even beyond safety, um, like nothing really touched on how you feel when you're taken out of the context of like Toronto, especially where it's yeah. like, you make sense here. Like given like like how you look and whatever, it all makes sense here. But like right. to lift this out <laughs> and like put it down in like the Czech Republic, it's like, what the, hell, what, what the fuck are you doing Exactly, here? yeah. And I think that point is like so understated in yeah. everything. It's like... Just go to Paris. The Eiffel Tower yes. is there. It's going to the bread is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. oh. And it's like but you they don't remind you that like there is nobody black there yeah. or you know only certain neighborhoods or yeah. or you if know. there are black people there it's like relegated to like specific places. Exactly. Or yeah. like yeah, and like you know you will be stared at. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I think that's like the problem is like whenever I've traveled in Europe it like feels like you're hyper visible or not visible at all. Exactly. It's never like just I don't know, but it's hard. That, that's something that's hard to measure. But I, but it, at least like given the like um, how I've talked about things with my friends, I feel like that is, it's it's either you're on display to the point where you're so self conscious, right. or it's like you could just disappear into right. the background. And so that leads me to like I want to tell you a story and yes. everybody else at home. Which I'm listening. So I think that I had an experience that might prove your point 
wrong a little bit. Okay. That, yes, I was either, yes, I did feel hyper visible Mm -hmm. and also like invisible at other times, but there was this weird middle sort of purgatory (laughs) (laughs) median place that I lived in when I was in Italy that I will explain. So two years ago now, it's less than two years actually, I finessed (laughs) basically a month. I I think it was even a little bit longer than a month in Italy. It's such a good way of putting it. (laughs) That I finessed. Oh, I I had... Finessed the fuck out of that. (laughs) I had no business being there, but I like made it clear that I needed to be there for my research. I'm doing air quotes. There was no research done. Um, So I, I went to Italy and I started off in Rome because I had to see like the Roman things. I studied classics. Um, so I had to see all of the runes and then after a while I was like, okay, a rune is a rune is a rune. I don't, I don't need to see this anymore. I, I'm so glad somebody who has like education in this background co-signs that. Oh my God. I always feel like a cultural, like, I don't know what what the word is for it, but. No, no, I know (laughs) you mean. Yeah. No. And I, I was, you know, I would, I had better views of those things from my textbook and from Wikipedia (laughs) than I was getting in real life. Like it was not, I mean, there's a little bit of like gravitas to being there, but Mm -hmm. not really much after a point. Anyway, so um, I only spent like a couple of days in Rome and like Naples. And then I went to Sicily, Mm -hmm. which I think most people know by now is like the southern part of Italy. It's actually not attached to Italy. It's an island. It used to be a Greek island. It's now an Italian island, and it's also the closest point to North Africa. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of refugees in this island that's filled with different cities and counties and whatever. Um, and so I traveled from like the northwest, south, down the Ionian coast, and like I did like the whole island basically. And I knew at the time that there were a lot of refugees coming to mm-hmm. um, Sicily, you know, escaping war and whatever, and making that journey over the sea. But I could never see them. Like, they were yeah. nowhere to be found. And when I did see them, like, in sort of more, like, less touristic areas, they were on the beach, like, selling all kinds of, like, trinket sort of things it kind of reminds me of like d-pan which is a movie that we both love yeah but they were on the beach like all day in like the bright ass sun like carrying pounds and pounds of shit like selling them speaking really good italian Mm -hmm. but people were treating them like garbage yeah and then i would go to restaurants and there'd be nobody there that was black and like clearly you know not a white italian and I would only see them like, yeah, in these really sort of strange places where they were obviously at risk. And everywhere I went, I was obviously the only, one of the only black people there. And something strange started to happen where people used to ask me, started asking me, was I a refugee? Mm-hmm. But they were asking it in this way that was like skeptical. They were like, well, you're not us, <laughs> but you look different because your skin's dark and my experience with dark-skinned people is refugees but you're here wearing levi's (laughs) and you have money so what are you and so i felt this like i was this this weird sort of person that was i was treated at times like i was a refugee but Mm -hmm. not quite Mm -hmm. but then also treated like somebody who was kind of moneyed like a little bit so I was like in this weird sort of place and it really made me think of like oh my god like how are people being treated in in Italy and in other countries other European countries like not just people who are racialized and traveling but those people who have like escaped to these countries like what is their lived experience and how does that then like reflect back onto well, your people is, like me. I don't know. Your life is like such a different animal than living in a North American, like an urban place in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, at least coming from Toronto, I was so, and I, I um, lived in the Czech Republic for a bit over a month. And um, it was so Where different. in the Czech Republic? Prague? Um, no. Oh my God, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's, no, um, 
Burno. Burno. Okay. Oh, that's like. That's <laughs> I like barely when, remember things too. Don't it's like if like someone asks you your name and you're like, uh. <laughs> no, it's not the same thing at all. You didn't I live there for like your whole that. life. Yeah, um, but it's yeah, it's so different because it's a homogenous culture that is co- that is only now coming right. to grapple with this idea of like other people are coming to live right live there, especially for. A, countries in Europe where it's these were colonial entities and right. you went to different countries and now it's like right they're coming these? here yeah right. it's like <laughs> what yeah. how could this happen so um so at, at, at least to speak to your p- point it's like I think I think that shows how humans are very basic and it's like if you don't see on an everyday basis like a black person can be this and this and this right, and this right. and it's like they can only be right this. we have multi- yeah and they're they're just starting to understand yeah. like oh my god i think in i don't know in europe it seems to touch on like the idea of like intersectionality where it's like don't say it like that intersectionality is a <laughs> no, beautiful I'm, no, thing i'm not saying it like derogatory <laughs> it's just like i feel like this is like a buzzword that like you know people just like throw around that's true but i do much. subscribe to the church of intersectionality <laughs> and i worship um kimberly crenshaw every chance i get so i know that yeah. you have a story of traveling well you traveled to lots of places obviously and lived in Europe but I specifically remember you telling me a story about visiting Sweden well I think so like the the I don't have like a specific story I know that there are so many people like people of color who go to Europe and like um and experience like very blatant in-your-face racism but at least for me, what I noticed, because I think when I travel to places, like, people can't really place me, even though, like, so I, I'm, I'm, Sri, I'm Tamil, my parents are from Sri Lanka, right. but the way that I look, like, a lot of people think that I'm, like, from the West Indies, and I'm, right. tr- you do I'm look, Trini. You yeah. definitely look Trini, or <laughs> yeah. Guyanese, like I yeah. am, or even Jamaican, like. Yeah, 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 people say yeah. it, like, like, especially if, like, they're not familiar with the right. tiny island of Sri Lanka, it's, right. um, it's hard to place, so. But racially, like, obviously, people f- that are South Asian, you know, were brought to the Caribbean. Yes. At, so, like, yes. it could so easily it could be. be anywhere, right, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but at least one pattern that I noticed that so I've traveled um, pretty extensively across Europe and in Sweden specifically, and just one pattern that I noticed is, and desire is, I feel like we're going into something else because Let's desire, desire and um, how people it. are attracted to other people like romantically and why like boys talk to girls or girls talk to boys or girls talk to girls or boys talk to boys, like this is all something that is like, I feel like this is the last like frontier of racism where you yeah. could say, I just prefer Chinese it is that's how it It is is. people (laughs) think that's okay that my preference yes is my preference and it's like no your fucking preference (laughs) is racist racist. and And I don't care it's exoticization it's fetishization but for some reason um anyway so at least in my experiences of of going out with my friends and being in like places like Sweden and Greece and Czech Republic and Germany oh yes Um, Greece Greece yes I remember we so Sarah and I this is an aside Sarah and I used to work at Roy Thompson Hall (laughs) way back in the day when we were just little idiots yeah um and uh I think we were both in our undergrads yeah yeah and so we were just bartending and we're and in these little like polyester yeah like we're in these stupid little like vests and white shirts and we were like serving Hagen dazs bars at Roy Thompson Hall it was the worst it was, job it was a really, I got yeah. fired because <laughs> I got fired because I snitched um and uh so yeah don't snitch guys you'll lose your job um and Sarah stayed because <laughs> I don't snitch, she doesn't snitch. um and uh, I remember there you told me a story about when you were like this is before I'd ever gone anywhere actually like I'm born in South America so I travel like back and forth to the Caribbean in South America but this was the first time I'd ever heard somebody experiencing racism in yeah. Europe when you told me that story about being in Greece yeah and you actually terrified me my whole life I was <laughs> oh always thinking of that I was like I don't know how I can cope with <laughs> somebody because i was like look at sarah somebody's these me they're gonna have something worse to say like even more dark skin yeah and i was just like oh my god what was gonna happen um and but i i somehow worked yeah it's not that bad i mean like it is that i mean i don't know that's an aside back to what you're saying back to my point is that uh, the common denominator i noticed is whenever i'd go out 
um, if there were immigrants in the area, I always ended up talking to them. And especially, I noticed this in Sweden the most. Uh, I went to a few clubs with my cousin who is half Swedish and half Sri Lankan, but looks kind of like, I don't, like he looks like mixed un unnameably. Um, but whenever we would go to clubs, it's like, um, in Sweden, there's a large Syrian population. Right. Um, and, um, Arabs from other other Arabic countries, um, but yeah, there's a huge Syrian population, um, and at least from the clubs we went to, like all of the, <laughs> it was always like I would always end up talking to the immigrants or like the refugees or the people who are there, and it's like this is such it's such a like weird thing to say, but like Swedish dudes never like it was always if I was talking to a Swedish guy, it was because I went up to them. It right. was never that makes sense. Reverse. Um and that's just something I noticed. Yeah. Um traveling and even in Greece when I when I was in Greece, um yeah, the the few times I talked to um yeah, I was approached multiple times. Just, in and, Greece, and not more like, so than in Sweden. Well, in Greece, I guess because we looked more lost, maybe, in right. Greece. So it was like there were more, like, encounters with, like, people who are from the area right. and, like, want to help out and stuff. Right. But um, It's funny because you think of, like, Sweden. I mean, in my mind, right, I hear Sweden and Swedish, and I just think, like, Aryan. Yeah. And, it's which like is not very... fair to anybody that is Swedish. I'm very sorry, but... You are forever like marred <laughs> by, you know, nationalist or socialist oh, well, uh, right stuff now, from the night. Yeah, like sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is. It's very um in in Sweden, much like a lot of EU com EU companies, EU countries. Um, it's kind of like a, a revert to tribalistic, right? Um, like us against them, right? Uh, especially with the rise of immigrants in all of these countries. So, yeah. um. I don't know. That was just like a pattern that I noticed and that I thought was so strange. It's like, it's also that that's like an unspoken thing, right? And all of this travel hysteria, all of these travel blocks, it's always like you will have all of these unplanned experiences. Yes. And the idea of like locals, like talk to the locals, yes. find the real travel experience. Right. Like, what is that real right. travel? Like, what is that authentic? Like, there's right. like a whole website, like the Lonely Planet. Like, it's all trying to get at this like authentic. Um, let's go. Let's go to that place. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like, I, like I don't, I don't know I don't know what that means and all I yeah, yeah no same. <laughs> I have no, no idea no, what same. that means I mean and I think that's also the funny thing which okay I wonder how you make sense of this because I'm struggling with this too I feel like I have like a double consciousness like I do for most things but when I was going to Italy like preparing I was single and I was like learning Italian words for like, do you have a condom? Yeah, and of course. like preparing myself That's for like all of mind. the hookups. I was yeah. like, and like everybody, like, Italian men are so sexy and all this stuff. And then by the time that I did go to Italy, I had a boyfriend, so it didn't happen. And people were less, people that I was interested in, that I could have been interested in, were less interested in me. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was like, oh, my God, your skin is just so dark and so yeah. beautiful. And it was like, well, why did I want this? Why did I think <laughs> that, like, I oh, I, the Italian guys are going to love me. It's going to be great. But, like, and then when I got there and I was like, ew, I don't want these fucking Italian guys <laughs> to want me. It's fucking gross. And it's so, like, all the, I know, I like, in Greece, I remember, like, we were crossing the street. Like, I think we were jaywalking and there was, like, a thing and, like, um, I, I was traveling with like a blonde-haired, blue-eyed friend, right. and then we were we were jaywalking, and I think we did something wrong. And so one of the um, like one of the Greek men who were on the street said something about like chocolata, like something about like yeah. all these food yeah, yeah, comparisons yeah. to skin, and it's just like oh god. Which for me, it's so str like because in Italian and in like Spanish, the normal word for me mm -hmm. is like negra. Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it's just so close to the yeah, slur. Like too, and like it clearly don't. is the same root. And so yeah. it was just like, oh my God, I understand. But like, and you yeah. can so clearly hear it because I'm trained to hear that hard G yeah. at any time and yeah. ready to just <laughs> pop off on anybody. Yeah. So my ears are like just attuned. And yeah. I would, but like, obviously they were just saying whatever. I mean, did you ever have any experiences of people like, touching you i wonder how much of that is like a cultural I thing i actually or... didn't though but i think it's because i'm i like i i didn't did you yeah. oh my god always really always. Oh, well yes i think uh, isn't it like a whole thing of like oh can i touch your hair like this is like well my hair was impulse. especially problematic Ugh, i yeah. learned very quickly to like not have my hair out because 
first of all, like I used to have half my hair was blonde. Yeah. And so I think that was very attention grabbing and I should have known better. Um, I don't think that's a thing of you should have known better. Well, this is something that's covered in the blogs. This is one thing that I will admit is covered in the blogs, but I, I didn't believe it. I was like, what do you mean? It's just hair. Like nobody cares about hair. It's like, but they, they very much did. Um, and yeah, and I, I learned not to wear shorts and to be like as conservative as I could be, especially in Sicily, which is like smaller and Mm -hmm. less, less touristic. I mean, in certain places and, yeah like it was it was hard like there would be yeah so many times where i'd have to just like get off of a bus that i was on and wait for another one because there was like a guy uh, next to me that i couldn't that would not like stop touching my leg oh like, literally God, yeah like it would be terrifying stuff well this is what i feel like it speaks to this idea of like um so as women of color who have grown up in this society and we've been given this narrative of like travel for our generation in this for our generation it's like travel is a a a key to freedom this is it's like utter freedom like you're free from like the schedule the routine your responsibilities like you can figure out who you are it it shows that like this is not a freedom that right like it's not the same thing this isn't this isn't us experiencing um, I, I don't know. It's like this thing. I don't know. Like I guess that thing of like you stare into the void and the void. Right. Like it, this Stares, is, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, like yeah. it's more like you 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 really feel like your li- your limitations and why yeah. you have to be careful yes. and you, yes. you feel even more even more that your body is at risk. Yeah. And and you know what? And so like sort of pivoting now to, I I wanted us to like definitely vent about <laughs> traveling, but I think it might be worth it to the women out there that are listening, the young women who probably haven't traveled or have had only bad experiences traveling to like give them some sort of hope. Yeah. I mean, and I think that like traveling for me, especially in Italy and in Paris was amazing, but, um, and, and like, like, you know, aesthetically everything was beautiful and the food was great and all that other stuff. But I really did become painfully aware of my race and it it helped me so much when I came back. My scholarship changed when I went back to school in the fall. I was writing all kinds of different things. I was reading different things. I was, I like was woke all of a sudden <laughs> in like a completely different way. Yeah. Um, and I, I really owe that all to those like, couple of months of being away and like being like completely alone yeah and like yeah with no one to like no bubble no safety yeah. net and I think it sort of made me stronger and more radical which is just That's strange a good thing. but I, I, yeah I think if you're if you've never traveled before um travel like a lot of things it is what you make of it like you can and you shouldn't accept like all of the narratives that are that are present and are popular about yeah. travel that it's this like like I I know enough white male dudes who have traveled and they are just as close-minded and like right. their opinions are still as painful right. it's, it's very, not going to do anything it's not to you make, it's not travel doesn't in, innately make you a more interesting person it doesn't necessarily um like being in different places doesn't necessarily open up your mind to right. different things. It's like a very active, like you have to be active in that, yes. um, in that pursuit. Um, or like be self-reflective and like yeah. ready to like confront the biases that you might have. Totally. I mean, that might make you a better person if you actually have to confront them head on. But otherwise, yeah, no. But I think especially for people of color, maybe this is a good thing. It's like all of these cliches about like how... Um, like travel can be very edifying and nourishing, but it'll be that in different ways. Like yeah. It will like alert you to, depending on how you travel and where you travel, it will be like those things are different. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah. yeah, I mean, anyone who's out there and thinking about traveling, like Europe is great. I feel bad that I've put so much emphasis on Europe in my life. Well, that's the thing too. I feel like it's kind of corny, but it's also like our generation that was teaching English in Asia, like they've made traveling in Asia corny yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like yeah, this yeah. idea of like Europe and Asia are these places. Uh, like I, I, I think even as people of color, I think, think especially if you're a second generation child who was raised here with all of the privileges that, that, that you get here, um, 
to audit your reasons for traveling yeah that's like a really good yeah. thing to do if you're like yeah. trying to pursue if it's like from just the idea of like oh, i want to see more of me like this isn't about you this is like, <laughs> <laughs> it really is like trying like i think the best thing you can take away from travel is understanding that the con like just grow your context yes. like yes. For, from the small town or like from toronto even yeah 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 well, thank you so much for talking to You're me, Sarah. Welcome. I had so much fun. <laughs> um, do you want people to follow you on social media? I'm just about to delete all my social media, so I don't know whether this is a very contentious. Okay, I, I love your Instagram, so I'll just keep it to uh, myself. No, okay, so then let's oh. say, um, <laughs> before I delete it, I want okay. to tell you. <laughs> Go ahead, everybody, follow. Um, it's Sylvester Stallone, Sylvester. which is a play on my last name. And is Sylvester it? Sylvester Stallone. Sort of is. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay, uh, thanks again, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Bye. <laughs> okay, this week's pop culture chatter is about the one, the only, Riverdale. Um, what's Riverdale? It's a Netflix original series, um, a teen drama mystery that is really just the most wonderful show I've ever seen in my life, um, not being excessive. What makes it special is that the story, its characters, its setting, everything is all based on the Archie comics. And joining me today in the studio to talk all things Riverdale is Janine, sophomore's art director and co-founder. Hi. Hi, Janine. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So let's start off with what was your introduction to the Archie comics? Did you first learn about it through the show or were you reading those comic books as a kid? Um, so when I was a kid, my dad would uh, pick them up for me at the grocery store, just like the little paperback ones. Um, so I would read those, not religiously, but I had quite a few. Um, and then I also was obsessed with the Josie and the Pussycats movie. So that was, I think, when I was in um, elementary school as well. I never really read them I would like beg my mom to buy one as we were waiting in the line at the grocery store and she would give me one and I think I'd, I'd read like half of it so I'm not really even sure about the stories and I never seen this Josie and the Pussycats movie um yeah you should you should watch it <laughs> I really one love day. it one day um but so yeah, so the show is definitely my my introduction to them. So do you think then, since you read the comics, that they're in line with what's going on in the show in terms of relationships between the characters and Riverdale? Um, I mean, the comic books are definitely much less dark, I would say, than mm -hmm. the show. Like mm -hmm. The show is quite dark, but um, in the comic books, I feel like the main storyline was kind of this like Betty versus Veronica fight for Archie. Right. Um, but what's interesting is I read an interview with the, uh, with the actors who play Betty and Veronica and they were saying, um, that like they kind of explored that a little bit towards the beginning of the series, but then like, um, later in the season moved away from that because it's really not about always showing friendships between girls and women as being competitive, but it can actually be a positive thing. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. I really like how, yeah. Cause I do remember from the comic books that, Betty and Veronica were in competition because I think Archie was in love with both of them. Yeah. I don't know if he was dating one of them because that's the way the show is going right now where he's starting to he, date somebody. I think he just like kind of float between them. Right, yeah. right. And I think we should take this moment to say spoilers all over this. Yeah. But you have spoilers. no excuse. <laughs> you can watch the entire season at once right now. Yes. And then <laughs> so pause this back. and come back. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this leads me to the question, what do you love about this show? So, I love a lot, so I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> um, okay, first thing, I'm a sucker for teen drama, so I was like super down for Gossip Girl, um, the remake oh. of 90210, I was yeah. really into the first 90210. Um, yeah, so I just and love- And is Luke Perry from 90210? Yes, so there's yes. kind of like, there's yeah. There's a little bit of crossover there <laughs> yeah. too, yeah. Um, yeah, and so, I just like love dramatic teen stories because I feel like, I guess when you're a preteen or whatever, like you think being a teenager is like so exciting and there's so much drama and so kind of living that fantasy of what I wish my teen years right. were like is pretty fun. Yeah, because my life, well, obviously nobody's life <laughs> is like this. I mean, nobody's brother, nobody's twin brother, yeah. I don't know, kills, like gets killed 
by their father. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty rare. <laughs> um, our audio engineer is very shocked. Oh, yeah, we just ruined the show for her. <laughs> oh, no, she's turning red. <laughs> you knew this going in. You knew this. Okay, okay. So my favorite thing about the show, besides like the teen drama part, which is really, really cool, and it's... I like that it's so insular and that it's in this sort of fictional town, which I can't think of another show like that because 90210 and even Gossip Girl, they're all like so wealthy, Upper West Side or Upper East Side, and then, I don't know, somewhere in the Hollywood Hills for 90210. Yeah. Um, And they were just sort of living lives that we understood. They're not attainable lives, but they're lives that we can like identify with we we know what those places are right whereas like riverdale is kind of like low budget yeah it's like Like, it's like a it's just like a small town it's just a small town and no one is doing anything too too crazy i mean they are being (laughs) definitely ridiculous and veronica is overdressed for everything or used to be um i feel like she's kind of calmed down maybe maybe tones down but i feel like that's that's one of the more consistent aspects of the show. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, it is like, I mean, that's kind of part of the Twin Peaks reference of it too, which I, right. disclosure, haven't seen. Me except neither. Except for the first couple episodes. Yeah. But that was like also set in a, a small fictional town and um, aesthetically it's very similar. Right. So. That's what I would imagine. I mean, considering like David Lynch, but I haven't ever watched Twin Peaks because I was, I'm too afraid. I'm like, I'm, I'm afraid of scary things especially like ever every scene where they're at charlotte's house yeah i'm just like who lives in a room that has like velvet red curtains and like no light like it's fucking terrifying yeah yeah it's uh and that, dad. that house is creepy as fuck <laughs> and yeah like both of her parents are so creepy like i feel like the whole show i was like wow her mom is up to something i didn't, I didn't really i didn't pick up on that oh, at really? all did you think that something oh i was because she was always just like you think we did something to your dad but or sorry to your brother but it was i don't know she seemed so like they seemed so hurt so do you think that the mother knew all along do you get that I mean, I don't know if she knew, but I, like, she was so shady. Like, she, it would be like, uh, there would be some sort of, like, scene that happens, and then the scene ends, and it's just, lo- the camera's, like, left on her face, and she's, like, looking all guilty. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, let's talk about family by, let's talk about family by family. So, yeah. Charlotte and... Cheryl. I'm sorry. Her name is Cheryl. <laughs> <laughs> There's so um, many names. There's so many names. Okay, so yeah. So Cheryl and what's her brother? Jason. Jason, right. I don't... I have the names in my notes. I so. should remember them because they're the, the main characters. But yeah, so they're family. Yeah. Um, so towards the end of the season, we find out that um, Jason and Polly and really that whole family, both of those families... Yeah are related to each other. So like the Cooper family. Yeah. (laughs) And the Blossoms. And the Blossoms are cousins or something like that. And that's why everybody was trying so hard to keep them apart, to keep Polly and Jason apart. What the fuck was that? I know. That was like (laughs) such a plot twist. I did not see that coming. But also, okay, so one of the things was – Betty's dad had tried to get Polly to have an abortion. Right. And so Betty's mom was like super upset when she found out that that's what happened. And they had right. this huge altercation with the rock in the window right. and right. all of that. Um, and then when she finds out that the reason is because like of the incest, um, she was like, oh, okay, I forgive you. Like, I felt like that was kind of weird. Like it was so immediate. Yeah, it was like, well, their whole thing is like, completely fucked because even like remember when um uh cole sprouse's father (laughs) jughead jughead's father um confesses and so uh betty's dad comes to the house to like destroy all of that evidence that he had taken from the police officer's house and they're just kind of like what are you doing here (laughs) oh, it's fine that you're here. Let's have a conversation about it. And I was like, this guy was kicked out of the house. Like, there should be a little bit more drama. So some of those things are sort of anticlimactic. Yeah, I mean, well, the other thing too is that he, they had that whole argument at prom when they were in high school about 
um, right. Her having an abortion. abortion. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole dramatic crying scene that it was like the worst decision or the biggest regret of her life. and And then she's just like, oh, well, you had a reason for trying to get Polly to have an abortion, so all is forgiven. Like, I feel like that was still... Yeah, that's pretty weird. Kind of weird. I mean, her... Betty's family is also, like, I think equally as weird as the... The, the Blossom family, yeah. which makes sense since they're <laughs> from the same stock. <laughs> Cut from the same cloth. Yeah, like definitely very strange. Mm-hmm. Um, and okay, so what do we feel about Jughead's relationship with Betty? Is that even, like, I don't even know where that came from and and how. Yeah, yeah, that was also kind of out of left field. I feel like he, well, in the comic books, I feel like he was this like kind of goofy guy that no one really took seriously. And in the show, he's like this blogger documenting all of the drama in the town, right? <laughs> right. It's like, it's almost like gossip. And the narrator. Yeah, exactly. Um, or sort of. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I feel, I don't know if they would actually happen if this were a real life situation. Like, I feel like Betty is so clean cut. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Betty is my favorite character, so you can't say anything about her. Like, I love her. I think her ponytail is amazing. Oh my god, that's one of my notes. Why does she always wear a ponytail? Well, because she's supposed to, but not always. When she went to prom, yeah, true, or she, she took it down, yeah. and um, like sometimes she takes it down, and she wore like Very that, rarely. like that, like Polly bob, yeah. which is not at all what Polly looks like. I'm not sure that whole like alter ego. Yeah, thing. that was weird. I was like, that's um, not what Polly looks like, but. But yeah, I wonder if there's any significance as to like when Betty wears her hair down. I didn't pick up on anything, but for yeah. the most part, she does have her hair up. So I wonder if that was like a deliberate thing. Right, to like signify. Like what? she's letting loose or like right, yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, That's that. Yeah, that could be true. I mean, she tends to do it when she's going to something formal, yeah. which is sort of strange that you can't wear a ponytail if you're going to something formal. Yeah. And this whole idea of like your hair has to be down and curled (laughs) to be like, I don't know, fancy. Like it's really because even um, Veronica, I don't know why she looks like that going to high school every day. Oh, my God. Imagine. I don't even like (laughs) I did my hair today because I have a date. But I would never <laughs> like I only do it when I'm going to something, not when I'm just going to work. I really love Veronica. Veronica, really? Yeah. She's lying. She's like she's now like sleeping. I don't know. Okay, I also don't know how this show handles sex. I feel like they just sort of make out with each other. You and haven't then... seen the last episode yet, though, or have you? I have. They all had sex. But together, they? like right so, separately, and they all got interrupted, but yeah. they weren't having sex. No, but that was—I feel like that was implied. Yeah, I mean, someone needs to write a dissertation on that because I'm very interested in, like, yeah, teen sort of emerging sexuality as like this thing that's doubly forbidden. It has to be incestuous, and yeah. it's underage, and yeah, it doesn't like it doesn't need to be all of that, but it is. <laughs> I mean, why does why does the why does Alicia Silverstone have to be in love with her stepbrother? Why? <laughs> why? He's just so handsome. Like he's not. But it's so like why? I don't I don't get it. Anyway. <laughs> and yeah. doesn't like Serena Vanderwoodson and like don't oh, her yeah, parents marry a, each other? There's, well, there's like cuz Dan's dad and Serena's mom have used a, to date back in the day. Date, they date again. It's like weird. They don't know how to feel about it. And it's like, yeah, why don't That's we just true. get it's, together again? So it's this constant thread. Yeah. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought about it in that way. Okay. <laughs> what's in what's the in your notes this is the longest pop culture chatter we'll have to cut this up <laughs> okay very much i want to talk about the music in the show oh i love performance in tv shows like, like when what? there's like a band so oh, like Jesse right, right, Cats right. Playing. i didn't really care for any of archie's shit just didn't care for it but i wonder who's singing those oh yeah that's i don't my, know that's my real question but go um, ahead but Jesse and the Pussycats, my like highlight of the show was when they performed I Feel Love by Donna Summer at I think the talent show maybe. Oh. And it was like Veronica was um, a pussycat for the day. Oh, right, right, right. I remember that. It was a nice moment. And they, she was wearing like little like like a little bodysuit. Oh, they were all like in these little bodysuits. Like <laughs> can we high talk, school. Can we talk about Veronica's body? Okay. I love it. I feel like she's the only one there that is not like unrealistically skinny I mean I don't know she's not at all like big or fat or anything like that but I feel like she has like a normal body 
Like I noticed that she has like a butt and like regular arms and they don't hide that. They don't have her like in cardigans or blazers yeah, or that's true. And whereas like even um Polly who's pregnant is I don't I don't know. Everyone else has like an unrealistic body. And yeah. I think even the one pussycat, I guess Josie, she was wearing like a bodysuit and she had like little stretch marks and they didn't take them out. And I was like Nice. Thank you. Thank you so much for leaving those in. Um, Made me very happy. I feel, yeah, I don't know. It's like kind of weird because they are supposed to be teens. I feel like right. you don't really fill out right. as a woman That's until true. later in life. But, but they're not teens. They're not teens, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, I feel like if you're an actor, there's probably a lot of pressure to yeah. conform to a certain body type. Um, like Veronica's mom is the tiniest person I've ever seen. That's She's true. She's so small. That's true. That's true. I love her, by the way. Her name is Marisol Nichols. I know. I looked her up the other day, actually. And so this is who plays Hermione Lodge. And she used to be, she was the star. No, no, not the star. But she was on a show called GBC. It was good. No, GCB called. What's wrong with me? <laughs> She was on a show called GCB, which was Good Christian Bitches. Oh, my God. Which is, okay, I take it back. I said this show is the best show ever. That's the best show ever. And it was canceled a few years ago after one season. And Kristen Chenoweth was in that show. And wow. also, like, a woman I, who I think is from 90210. But it was basically this woman, her husband dies in a car crash while his mistress is going down on him. <laughs> I don't know. And she moves back home with her kids to Texas. And everyone around her is like a good Christian bitch. And uh, she's kind of, but not really. And everybody hates her because she used to be like a, a mean girl in high school. But now she's trying to like make up for it. It's kind of, it's actually a little bit related to to Riverdale. Um, but anyway, but yeah. it's the best show. Like I, I, I love it. And is it on Netflix? I don't think so, but maybe. I mean, there's only one season, okay. and yeah, and then they they cut it, but it was mm. great. Anyway, but Veronica has she has a similar plotline too, where it's yeah. like she tries to exactly, um, yeah, amend or atone for all her, of her yeah. previous sins, which it's like that whole thing with the the girl whose dad was in Ethel. business. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and then her dad attempted suicide or attempted yeah what a strange show okay yeah just so so many plot twists okay. so much drama thanks so much for coming to the studio and talking with me about riverdale i had such a good time janine thanks for having me this was very spontaneous but i'm glad we did it this podcast is a product of sophomore magazine and is produced by me leticia cosbert our audio engineer is Stephanie Rotz, who is fucking amazing. Uh, moral support comes from the entire Sophomore Mag team. Thank you, BBs. Thank you to our guest today, Janine from Sophomore Mag, who you can follow, if you like, at Janine Brito on Instagram. And also Sarah, who you can follow at Sylvester Stallone. You can follow Sophomore on all social media at We Are Sophomore, and also visit our website at sophomoremag.com. You can follow me, if you like, at Pretty Letty on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to Carl Moschino for creating our intro, who can be found at Carlisle um, on SoundCloud. And also shout out to the Ryerson School of Fashion for providing this beautiful studio space where we record our podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. See you next time.